Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition, another episode of Overtime. Uh, this is our weekly podcast where we get to talk about what we discussed over the weekend services here at the Christian Life Center. So glad that you're joining us this evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening. Uh, we're so glad that you're with us, whether you're live or whether you're through podcast. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Um, as always, we like to kind of give a quick highlight of something that's coming up. Uh, this is just kind of a, a normal PSA for our Wednesday evening um, sessions that we call COW. It stands for Connect on Wednesday. So we would love to invite you out to that. That is kind of our next step. If you're here on a Sunday morning or you're just simply looking to get connected, we would love to have you come out on a Wednesday night. We have a meal that starts at about 5.30. This week it's hot dogs uh, and chili. And from there, there's about uh, several different offerings of classes that start at about 6.15. Um, we've got a bunch of different ones happening. Uh, I can't remember them off the top of my head. I know financial peace is continuing on. Um, there's Celebrate Recovery here. There's always something for children and for youth. Uh, so we got a lot of different offerings that we would love to have you be a part of. Even if you're not really sure what you're doing like you just want to show up and get connected that's why we call it cow connect on wednesday we would love to see you there feel free to contact the office even through social media if, if you have any questions about that we'd love to answer any questions and we would love to see you there so that's kind of our highlight of the week if you will um, but now we kind of want to change gears and jump into the content uh, so this week was week two of the holy spirit an introduction so do you want to give us a recap of what we kind of talked about this past weekend the Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about, Ben. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you could actually answer it. Could you give like a two-word answer like that and be okay with that? Only if you don't let me use my hands. <laughs> so, uh, so um, yeah, Holy Spirit, still doing an introduction, trying to really sort through uh, this third part of the Trinity, uh, the triune God, three God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting because... If you talk about the Holy Spirit, you really kind of got to talk about all of God, which is yeah. why I think a lot of religions miss it. They just want to talk about this creator God and not the God who redeems or the God who empowers, right? And so really like this triune God. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this infinite God with infinite love long yeah. before decides to create vessels by which that love is poured out. That's humans. And uh, so creation was an act of God's will. And uh, then an act of human will as we go, we like our plan better than ours, God. And boy, do we do that. Boy, do I do it. And right. um, as a result of that, there's just this disconnection and uh, hopelessness. And it, I talked about this week, that, that fall, we, you see it all over our world and see it all over our churches, see it in our church, see it in our families, see it in our uh, places of work, see it in our own hearts, actually, yeah. in our own minds. It's this real difficulty in trying to, you know, live this life that God wired and created us for. And, and yet we're still going, but then, is it possible? Could we still do that? Or do, are we just stuck in this muck and mire, right? And, and so I love the third part of the, the story of the gospel as if God created it, act of his will, the God, the father of humankind kind of an act of their will, you know, fought against it. Then what's so beautiful is God the Son, Jesus, uh, redeems all this by an act of his will. He literally surrenders himself and dies a sinner's death, lives the life we should have lived, and dies the death we should have died, right? And so most of us get that in the church, understand that part of the story, that there's this God who loved us so much that if you pray this prayer, Jesus will forgive you your sins, invite you, and you'll get into heaven. And uh, kind of what you've heard for, I mean, if you've ever been around any kind of church, is kind of that story. We call right, that the gospel. Right. Pray a prayer. Jesus enters your heart. That's really interesting because your heart's small. Jesus seems big, at least six, or at least five foot. You know, I don't know. So how does all that work? And so it gets really confusing, but you are told, don't worry about it. One day you'll get to heaven and God will answer all your questions. It's like, wait, 
We're supposed to believe this and trust it and then one day wait to the future where he'll help us understand that. Like, does God really just want us to sit around here and like twiddle our thumbs and wonder? And no, he doesn't. He actually right. wants us to participate in restoring this world to the way he originally created it. Right? Now, it won't get there this side of heaven, but it sure will get like we'll get to participate in it. Like every day we get to work that new, you know, kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And so. The big question is, well, how does that go about then? If it's not, if Jesus saves, right? We know what Jesus saves, then, and He redeems. Then, how does this world, you know, bring about restoration? And how does that happen? And that's what I love about the part of the uh, Trinity: of God the Father, act of His will creates us; humankind, act of our will, uh, you know, disconnects us. Uh, Jesus, act of His will, redeems us and connects us back. And then the Holy Spirit, act of His will, participates in the restoration. Right, right. And so, if uh, Jesus, uh, God the Father, established this loving relationship, and we wrecked it. And then Jesus uh, shows us God's love by dying for us. Then it would make sense that we should not only know God's love, but we should be able to feel it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Uh, what we learned last week, uh, so 10 days ago, 9 days ago, was that the Holy Spirit is there to help us feel God's love. Right, like we actually right. get to receive that love. And today we're kind of looking at not only does it help us uh, – um, feel that love and receive his love. He also helps us interpret yeah. uh, God to us and also interpret one another. So really, really neat thing. So we saw ourselves in Acts chapter 2, yeah. which is this crazy, crazy story of these 120, yeah. uh, some of them new believers, some of them not so sure, gathering in Jerusalem from all over the area, all over the world, really, in, in their minds, um, to celebrate what was called the Pentecost, the 50 days after the Passover. It's kind of like the celebrating that they were a nation that could survive most things and that they had some uh, grit and that they could uh, continue to move forward in God's plan for them so they would celebrate harvest as the yeah. reminder that they put seeds in the ground and the stuff grew and they had enough for the summer, right? <laughs> so this thing over and over again. And so this Pentecost would have been the first fruits harvest um, and where they would have celebrated this really, really neat moment. And uh, now we know it as Pentecost, meaning 50 days after right, Jesus' right. resurrection. It was initially uh, kind of uh, scheduled from 50 days past Passover. So we have these 120 folks there. And what, what we know is uh, a week earlier, 10 days earlier, Jesus said, don't go anywhere yet because the, the plan I have for you for restoration, you are incapable of doing. But I'm going to give you a gift that's going to allow you to do it, right? And I'm going to give you another just like me. That's where he refers to the Holy Spirit. And uh, and he says, wait till you get that, and then you'll go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world. So uh, in Acts chapter 1, I think it's verse 6 and through 8, kind of this picture of going, that's what our goal is, right? He's going to give us the Spirit, right? And so they were waiting. I don't know how long they were. I mean, obviously they were waiting 5, 10 days, and I don't know what their feelings were like in that waiting, wondering if God wasn't going to keep his promise, wondering every day if they had gotten it, wondering if they're, you yeah. know, you know. That you know, their antacids weren't working, or were working, or wonder what's going on in their body. Going, wait, is that it? No, that's not it. What is that? You know, and then all of a sudden, there's this moment at Pentecost where it tells us in Acts chapter two. That's what we covered all of Acts chapter two, except for the forty-two to forty-seven. Uh, this moment where this mighty wind came through, and so the yeah. first thing we kind of saw there is, and it says from heaven, really, really important that we see that the solution for the restoration is external, not internal, yeah. right? It's not somehow I dig deeper down in myself, find my right. inner peace, find right. my inner truth, right. that it's actually something external from heaven is actually going to come and breathe life into me. The same way that God breathed life in Adam, it was dead and it was living. There's something external that's going to come breathe life into us to help us in this thing. So we saw yeah. that, and then it then said right after that that it, they looked around, 120, they see in this fire, and then there's these tongues of flames on top of people's heads. Really, really neat. 
Um, they would have made that connection. We we're making that connection that that's what how God existed in the Old Testament. Testament, His presence wasn't complete, you weren't completely access to it, right. but it was close by. It was nearby. It's like okay, God is still watching us. He's not in us, but He's watching us. He's not beside us, but He's watching us. Right? There's just this one place, this tabernacle, this tent, or kind of this pillar of fire would sit over. And in this moment, we see is that pillar of fire sits over all 120. Meaning, this right. is the moment where God doesn't just isn't just beside us anymore. Yeah, yeah. He now is making himself available inside yeah. of us. And then the third thing we see in this really, really interesting is this moment that uh, that spirit coming. The first thing it does here is it helps them all hear God's words in their own language. Yeah. So important as you think about religion is this is the only religion that goes all people, all tribes, all nations, all tongues, like Anyone and they, everyone, this is available to them. And so it's yeah. really neat that God would establish his first century you know, church, what we still operate 2,000 years later, this institution that's going to change the world, that's going to bring about restoration. So you have in the, uh, in the Old Testament, God creates Adam and Eve. They, um, they get married, right? First institution marriage. Right. Then they have kids for second institution's family, right? And then those get completely train wrecked in the right. Old Testament, right? right? Like a huge mess, which they still are, right? Yeah. Not, not judgment or culture. I, I look inside the church as much as outside the church on that. And uh, so now you go, well, if those two institutions get messed up, how does God plan on resolving that? Well, right. the next institution, I mean, he creates kingdoms, like I said, but the real beauty of the institutions that resolve all the broken institutions in the Old Testament, the marriage, family, kings, kingdoms, right? All that gets resolved with a new king, with a new institution, and that institution's Jesus' church. Yeah. So the way he establishes it is for all people, all languages, all tribes. And so all of a sudden we see this moment where these 120 people are all listening, and they're able to hear God for the first time hmm. in their own language. And I just wonder how we do it that. Like, you know, like how do we hear God? Like how can we let him in, right? And so the neat thing about that is <coughs> when uh, Peter does this, and I wish I would have talked about this here. So I'm going to jump in and then you ask some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wish I would have done it. Spend a little more time going, Peter wasn't giving his own words. This is really important. Yeah. This isn't like Peter's like, let me just tell you something fancy on my own. He does say, they're not drunk. It's not am. Really, really <laughs> funny because there's some suspicion in that, some skepticism, cynicism. Really sad in that. Hate this and people miss this. Um, but he, when he finally begins to talk, he actually goes to the Old Testament to a yeah. kind of obscure prophet, Joel, and speaks his words. Yeah. Meaning, the way by which the God interprets is through his word. So... This isn't God. Holy Scriptures are not God. They're Holy Scriptures. They're not Holy Spirit. But as we read these, as they're proclaimed, the Holy Spirit does something really neat. That's why I think you should come to church. That's why I think you should submit yourself to teaching. That's why I think you should open up the Scriptures and read them. That where this it's actually the Spirit interpreting what these words are saying to each of our own context and language. Really, really mm -hmm. beautiful. And so we saw that happen and got to make some observations about it. Okay. So. Yeah. So. Well, that so, was a 10 minutes. Sorry. Yeah, that was a long review, but okay, great. Uh, I do have some questions. Well, I'm and, so judgy. Man. I don't know. It's just a special day, I guess. Um, I think my first question, and I do want to encourage you, if you're listening, uh, please continue to submit questions. This week, we didn't get any. Now, that could have been my fault. I might have actually missed them in the box. Maybe, maybe not. So um, if you submitted one that we didn't see, if we find it, we'll hit it yes, next week. we will or get that next week. Or send it again, or overtime at clcfamily.church. That would be great. So please continue to submit your questions. I did make sure that I checked that email at least 
once right before we go live. Usually it's right after our staff meeting. So yeah, please email us overtime at clcfamily.church. Um, so some of my questions was to kind of go in the very beginning. So yesterday was Monday and it was President's Day, right? So yeah, yeah. it's that's a holiday, but yet it's not kind of a holiday. So I feel like first question might be a little bit weird, but this this festival that they're celebrating or this harvest time that they're celebrating, what would that have looked like in that culture? Is that something where, you know, everybody's chilling out at home or everybody's going out? Like any idea what that would look like? Like, because it's pretty interesting that here's this festival that that's why people are gathered there in Jerusalem. And so obviously there's some level of travel connected to that. Yeah. So that, that, I, that I do know. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it. In fact, one of my goals this year, uh, N.T. Wright just wrote a new book on uh, the, the New Testament. Okay. That I'm, that, what it would have been like to live then. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wanting to work through that. I'm also planning on reworking through uh, the works of Josephus. I actually have them in my notes. I was mm. planning on reading some of them that I've been, that, but I didn't get to them this, uh, this Sunday, just in Saturday, too much work. But so I don't, I am not an expert on uh, right. Jewish history or first century history. But what we would have known is there would have been, a, there would have been a, bit, a pretty big pilgrimage, not like Passover size, but okay. a good sized pilgrimage that would have made it to its way into okay. um, Jerusalem. And so this would have been all those, uh, it's called diaspora. It's got okay. this language that means that those on the outskirts like uh, that weren't in uh, Jerusalem but outside, okay. they still would have saw uh, Jerusalem as kind of the hub. And so they would have been keeping up with the calendar 50 days past Passover. They okay. would have been kind of, now we do it on, on our, you know, post-Constantine calendar. It's 50 days past resurrection. So it's a couple yeah, days okay. different, but 50 days uh, past Passover. Uh, so three, four days before resurrection. Um, they would have been, they would have known that they would have come and celebrated this moment. And they would have celebrated with their first fruits. Okay. The first fruits of the harvest. That meant this is the first cut. This is the okay. first stuff. And so if you think about things like Malachi, uh, where it says, bring your tithes okay. bring, uh, to the storehouse and see if I don't open up my the floodgates of heaven, pour out my blessings. This has been a really good time to bring yeah. that first cut. So you okay. would have gotten the first cut. They would have distributed up 10%. They would have been bringing it into these things. I don't okay. know if they would have been bringing the actual you know, crop. I don't know if they're, they would have taken it and exchanged it for something else. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we do have some understanding of how Levite priests were cared for in the Old right. Testament. And that was, they were provided for by, you know, the right. rest of the tribes with their food, with okay. their, those kind of things. And so, uh, not sure exactly how that works. I don't know if they just would have brought it in. The synagogue leaders would have kind of distributed you know, yeah, it, or sold it or, or yeah, whatever, yeah, like, like or laundered it, however okay. that works. Right. <laughs> and so they would have, uh, they would have been bringing probably that stuff in. They would have been coming to, to this okay. kind of worship moment, celebrating again, these first fruits. So they're bringing their sacrifice. Yeah. This first fruits is their sacrifice or form of yeah. it. Yeah. So what's interesting, and I definitely have time to talk about this weekend. There's some scriptures that talk about Jesus being the first fruits. Yeah. So if you think about this, there is how, how this happens. These first fruits, these crops, it's, they're put into the ground. Yeah. They come back out of the ground. I think I and know where they're, you're going. They're yeah. pulled back out and celebrated. Yeah. So the idea that the first fruits festival at Pentecost is where this new res- revival of an of, a, right. of an institution of a church with the spirit of Jesus as the first fruits now being distributed amongst all the people. Right. Right. right? And so I imagine. I don't I mean I don't know enough about that. Jewish culture, but there's probably some benevolence happening in okay. these moments, all that kind of stuff. So to think about that distribution, so there would have been worship, there would yeah. have been some, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, sacrifice, uh, incense, and probably animals, more incense or whatever there, and 
uh, maybe what we would think of like liturgical, some readings, those kind of okay. things. I mean, so they all sorts of different ones. Like Yom Kippur, still to this day, that's the Day of Atonement, right? Right, right. Uh, the Jews, uh, Jewish people get together and they read the whole book of Jonah. Yeah. And what they do there, kind of off topic, is they would read a chapter and then they would chant, we are Jonah. Okay. Read another chapter, chant, we are Jonah, just to remind them of the story that that's who they are. These okay. people that go away and God keeps calling back and using and that kind of stuff. And so there would have been kind of those kind of moments happening and they would have been gathered in some setting. Of, these wouldn't have been buddies. They wouldn't have known each other. Obviously, they don't speak the same language. Right. So all of diaspora, all the areas around, like the, the dispersed, the dispersed would have been coming in in that moment. And so we don't know. I don't know if this is all that's left. I don't know if this is different than the Jews. I don't know if these are the because it says those who convert to Judaism. It doesn't sound like these are the ones that converted to Christianity. But right. we do know these eleven disciples or twelve disciples are there. We know that uh, Mary's there, yeah. so we got some of those people. So that we know that there are you know new converts there. But so we're not even sure how all this happens in that okay. moment. So we just know a bunch of people. So we're not sure if there's also the synagogue and it's just an upper room. If this okay. different, I don't know enough of the, the yeah. history behind yeah, that. Yeah. No, I just know 120 people of them are sitting in a room, yeah. ready to go, and all of us and. And I feel like that answers my question, too, because what you see is that Peter begins preaching later on. uh, We get towards the end of, uh, well, it's not quite the end, but it's Mm -hmm. in like the 40s where Peter starts to preach. And I just like, why are all these people here? Because, again, with President's Day yesterday, I mean, schools have off, but it doesn't really feel like a holiday. So is it like a holiday that everybody's staying around at home or a holiday where obviously people are traveling. Yes. Yeah, so, I would, so I feel like that answer. I'd put it in the category of holiday. I would have put it in the category yeah. that it would have been marked on their calendar. Yeah. It would have been a pretty significant moment. The first big one since Passover. Yeah. So, okay. you know, you have them kind of dispersed throughout it. So this is, you know, this is the the, the big one after Christmas for yeah. us kind of okay. thing. Right? So, okay. Sweet. So, yeah. That's great. And uh, yeah, so as you went through, um, one of the things that you did was review. And uh, again, I appreciate the visuals that you have on stage. So if you haven't watched the this past week's message, please do that. Or you can listen to it, clcfamily.church slash media. You can either watch or listen to the media. But I really appreciated that. And just even again, you talk through kind of the tag team of, of how God the Father, how the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And, and again, you even referenced it just now as we were we were viewing kind of, you know, if the Father yeah. created it all, man kind of messed it all up. The redemption was the Son, and then the restoration process is the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that you said, and, and honestly, I'll, I'm not sure if this, you kind of asked and answered a question, um, and you said, how do we experience the gospel? And I just thought that that was worth repeating. And in that, I think this is what you were you were driving at, yeah. or maybe this is just the way that my mind filled in the blank. But just as you're talking about the introduction of the Holy Spirit, and what he does and what his purpose, that, I think that's what you were driving at is that how do we experience the gospel? It's as as the spirit is in us and stirs us and moves us and communicates to us. So I, I didn't know if that was an intentional like, something you were trying to bring up or more of just as you were talking about yeah, it, it so, just struck me. Yeah. So, um, I don't think it was something I'm like, Oh, I want to pause here. What I would like to pause on is there, there's typically two different categories of people and, uh, you got the thinkers and the doers, right? Yeah. The knowers and the doers. So a lot of times we think about the scriptures if it's knowing it and then doing it. Yeah. Right. So we all have camps and we know who's in which camp. Oh, that's a thinker. That's the one who likes to know about the stuff. Right, oh, that's right. a doer. They like to do stuff. But it feels like there's this bridge between the two right. that all of us are missing, and it's the experiencing, yeah. right? Like the, the knowing should eventually lead to experiencing, and the experiencing is what should lead to doing. And right, so right. We, we see that in, um, in uh, like the, 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 
the um, disconnection between Mary and Martha. You got the one who's sitting there and knowing, and you know, right. the other one's doing. And we're going, well, I don't want to sit there. It's not like he's just teaching her. And it's like, no, no, no. That's not what you're seeing there. It's not the teaching. It's that she's experiencing right, Jesus, right. right? So it's not that it's not like you, she's filling her head with more information. She's actually experiencing all that she believes because she's literally sitting with that one who right. can get that. Right. And so when I think about this idea of knowing and doing, it's like I'm a doer, right? Yeah. And so when I think about the gospel and really thinking about that we were created in God's image with a beautiful plan to know him and be loved by him, and then we are the ones who messed it up. Yeah. It's no one's fault but my own, right? Yeah. And that Jesus actually creates a way where there was no way for me to know God again and connect to God, but there still has to be something experiential. Like, I don't know exactly how to sit at Jesus' feet if he's sitting in heaven, right? Right. And so there is this right. piece in here of going, this whole gospel cannot really manifest in our lives unless mm. we actually experience it, and it can experience it without the Spirit coming in and doing right. that, right. which I would just say, I'm not, like, so dangerous to get these different terms, but I am suspicious of our knowledge-based for me, a church world where it's all about knowing more information, showing up from our mm. Bible studies, and missing the opportunity to just experience it. But then mm. on the other side, you got to go, well, are we creating and manufacturing these worship experiences yeah. that are not of the Spirit? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just, what would it look like for us to continue to ask the Spirit to actually help us be known by Him and loved by Him? I think yeah. that's the thing is like that piece of going, there's some disconnect in the whole gospel if we don't actually experience it. And it's hard for me to teach on that because I'm not one who experiences that much. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I just, I feel like it's even coming back to maybe last week's discussion yeah. of that tension, right? Like yeah. of the experience versus the, the intellectual side, like looking at God's word, which is so valuable and so important, but God's word is his word, not the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I just, I feel like there's this tension that yeah. we live into. So I, it just reminds me of that. And, um, and a lot of times, man, I do, I do want to experience God, but if I'm fabricating that, if I'm trying to, you know, if I play this song 16 times in a row, then... With the crescendo and the drums. That's right, and... that's right. And it's sometimes just the... <laughs> Somebody should have screwed this it's to not the, the wall. It's not as long <laughs> as, long as it's not the typewriter sorry, that falls down. We'll if you're be listening okay. online, I, <laughs> we're sitting next to a wall I built. By built, I mean just stacked on top of each other. <laughs> Nothing screwed in. There's no anchor, so who knows? It, something just shifted behind us, so it got a little scary. Mm. And I think it's just Speaking out of, of sight, shifts, but... let's talk about the shifts we see in the scripture, Ben. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, so one of the things that you said was that Pentecost wasn't about focusing on the internal, but the external power. So you mentioned that even in the review. Did you want to go into yeah, that? Yeah, so that is kind of the thing. I talked about Pentecost. Yeah. And so they think about external a lot of times, but they think about it as in the external power you get. Like, right. woo, you know, like those kind of things. It's like, no, no, no. It's not. It's something that comes purely from the outside right. that first manifests itself inside, right? So that is, I mean, I love Enneagram. I'm a yeah. eight wing seven. I get it. You know, like I am, like I know my strengths finders. I know, you know, my MBTI, Myers-Briggs, whatever those things are, disc profiles, you know, all these, uh, Berkman profiles, all these different things. And uh, they're really valuable in our world because we think if we know ourselves better, we better not agree. I think emotional intelligence is a, a absurd importance. Yeah. But this belief that we've, starting to cling to that if we finally search deep enough in ourselves and find our true self and i'm not talking about sexuality gender identity i'm not talking about even those things i'm not talking about clerics versus phlegmatics versus melancholies i'm not talking about artists versus you know scientists but i mean all those things are parts of us that we go if we could really understand ourselves we could know how to help our world better but if you keep digging far enough down in there what's going to end up happening is you're going to find a spot in yourself you go oh i'm really broken 
I hope no one ever knows that about me. Yes. Boy, if they did, you know, those kind of things. And yeah. so it just seems weird that we're spending all this time, you know, trying to like repolish these new terms that explain to us how we should be accepted as we are. And there's only one person who actually accepts us as right. we are, and that's right. Jesus. And then when he does that, he then extends, he ex- sends and extends himself into an external force, the Holy Spirit, to come and dwell with us. So now all of a sudden there can be this real radical reformation, mm. right? So it can't be something we just learn about ourselves or know, and I think we should grieve, and I think we should wrestle through it. So this is not anti-therapy or psychology. I am a huge advocate for it. But at some point, I hope all that work in me says – Wow, there's some really neat wiring that God put yeah. in me. Now, what would that look like with redemptive potential? Mm. What would that look like if the Holy Spirit were to come start restoring that wiring yeah. in me? And so while it makes sense that we are aware of all the stuff going on in us, without inviting or allowing the Spirit externally to come in and restore that, we just got a bunch of broken pieces that might look good on a resume, but still you know, lead to all sorts of havoc in our life. You can look at people like Steve Jobs, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people, right, who did great things, who had horrific home lives, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like so. these pieces that might make us neat for, you know, a a, a subsect of the human race isn't going to be what's going to make us live in this restored world that God wants us to. So there has to be somehow that we have to go, yep, Something external is the only solution to this. Yes. And we, I've looked in my jobs. I've looked at my spouses. I've looked at all those things. And none of those things have been a thing. So perhaps there is this God who brings this external force that yeah. could change us. So I do believe the real solution for what's going on in our lives is external, not internal. Yeah, so I feel like that's – it makes me think a little bit, uh, a couple questions within that. Like, one, that's scary because now I have no control, right? Like, if it's internal, then I can kind of focus on it and I can do it. And then that almost leads me to, I guess, the next question or the next thought that I have is that I'm going, okay, if it's not about me fabricating it, how do I actually experience God? How do I experience the Holy Spirit? Like, and and maybe that's even the wrong question. Like, maybe it's not a – you know, this solution of A equals B equals C. But if if it's this experience that's not internal but external, well, how do I how do I even begin? Like, how do you begin to tell somebody about that? How do you begin to experience that for yourself? Yes, yeah, so a couple of things. One, it can't be formulaic because yeah. if it's formulaic, we're in trouble because one right. plus one plus one doesn't equal three. Right. So even the way by right. which the sphere works is complicated. Um, two, I, I think I would say... What are we really in control of anyway? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, man, I can't control that. And I'm like, every time I try to control anything, it seems to get out of control really yeah. fast. Like I, maybe it won't. Yeah. Event, or it doesn't go the way I want it to right. anyway. So right. like the problem with the control going, this is what I'm setting my mind to. This is what I'm going to do. Either you'll set your mind to it and not be able to achieve it, which just makes you feel like you're worthless because <laughs> you're like, I have to do this and then you can't. I can fix this and then you can't. Or you can fix it. And it didn't turn out the way you wanted to. Like, it didn't give you that feeling you wanted inside. You weren't appreciated the way that you thought you should be. And so, in either way, it, it still leaves us wanting. Yeah. So, it's like, how about that? How about thinking past and playing the tape forward on what you think you actually control and what your life's really like? And then think, then think about that feeling you have on either side of it, either because you achieved it or didn't achieve it. What is it that – what's that feeling that's still inside of you? And I would say that's the feeling that the, the Spirit's trying to quench, hmm. right? That's it. It's the one that thought this was to be the thing, got the thing, and it wasn't the thing, or thought it was going to be the thing and realized that you were incapable of getting the thing. Either one, it leads to this discontentment or disappointment, right? Yeah. And so what if there's actually a Spirit that was meant to quench that, yeah. right? What if that's the experience? And so 
I don't know how to manufacture it, but I would say that the advice I would give me or I am giving me is stop trying to, mm. right? Because stop trying to manufacture, stop trying to fabricate it so that maybe God can get the credit, mm. right? Maybe God's been doing all sorts of crazy stuff in our lives, right? Maybe God is doing all sorts of crazy stuff in our churches, yeah. you know? And yeah, we can pause and go, wow, we're really clever. We yeah, had, we started yeah. this thing called cow, you know? like, <laughs> And then, then it's like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, so it's, so you got that piece, and then you go, well, how about we stop trying to manufacture it? And I'm not talking about stop trying to do good work. Yeah, I'm talking about stop trying to take credit yeah, for things. Yeah. Stop trying to look for these things as a result of getting some kind of credit or affirmation that the Spirit's moving. In yeah. other words, go, what does God want? Let's just give it to Him. Yeah, And, you know, in Romans 12, that's and Paul tells us really clearly, by the way, this is after folks have gotten the Spirit. Mm. So when we see Romans 12, this is post-Holy Spirit invading yeah. people's lives. He says, in view of God's mercy, right? In view of what, uh, view of God's mercy, that's God the Father, your good and love, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, for that is your reasonable or logical or spiritual act of worship. Right. So there's this piece after, as a result of Paul, literally, for 11 chapters, talking to people like us, saying, hey, you really aren't in control. You're not as good as you think you are. Right. And you really are longing for something that none of this stuff will uh, fulfill you. So one of two things has happened. You're going to say, I'm going to keep doing it. Romans 1 tells us this. And God's going to turn you over to that. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to lead to yourself to so much pain that you're going to go, okay, God, maybe you can. Or you're just going to look at this, play the tape forward and go, maybe I shouldn't be seeking these things, right? Yeah. And then he tells us, in view of God's mercy, that's Jesus. That's God showing us love, right? So that's him going, in view of God's mercy, he actually pays the price through Jesus. So God created it. We messed it up. Jesus redeemed it. That's what that means. In view of God's redemption through Jesus, it tells us how we should respond. We should offer ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, because that's our spiritual right. act of worship. That's our logical act of worship. So I would just say, what would it look like every day to stand up in the morning and go, I belong to you. Yeah. And you go, that sounds weird. I'm like, we could try it. Yeah. All right, yeah. that or we don't and go about our day. And then, right. you know, I wonder if God actually used me today. How right. about you go, God, would you use me today? Yeah. And I'm going to look for it. And I'm going to ask you for it. Yeah. And then it says, and that's Romans 12, 1, right? So that, that I would say, that's different than fabrication and manufacturing. Right. It right. is, it's about stewardship going, God, you gave me hands and feet. I'm going to use them today. Right. So would you please use me? So it starts with that. And then it, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, which is that, find it from the inside, manufacture it, right. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the mm -hmm. repentance. And then, and I would say only then. Would, can you know and test and approve God's good, pleasing, mm. and perfect will? There is yeah. this place where we feel God's goodness. We feel this pleasure, and it is perfect. Yeah. And that only happens by surrendering these things. So I, would, I think that's the piece that I keep going back to. Why did I not do that this morning? Yeah. I knew I was going to have a hard day today. Why did I not get up and go, God, this is your day. You can use me. I didn't. I didn't today. I just got up and went about my business. So now I don't even know what to give him credit for. I, I yeah. didn't even ask him to do anything. Yeah. So if he were to do anything, I didn't even ask him to do anything. So I don't even know what it is. So God, would you please just make yourself known today yeah. in me? And the other neat thing about that, if you've, I don't remember what book it is, Mark Batterson, uh, uh, he's National Community Church. I think it's in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. He talked about this okay. stuff that I've shared with uh, multiple times, but not here. He talks about this thing called the reticular activation system. Okay. I keep coming back to it because it's this idea that there's some connection between your eyeball and your brain. Right. That when you notice something, you notice it, right? Like so, like for example, I have I a, a red Jeep with a, a rack on top. Right. I don't have it anymore because I backed out today 
and it caught my basketball goal and ripped off the whole top. I've been meaning to ask you when your wife came to the mug this morning, she said something about it. And I was like, oh, I've got to go so ask her about it. So ripped off this morning. But you know what I'm going to notice? I'm going to notice because today that's peaked up my eyes. I'm going to notice everyone else with a nice rack on yeah. top of it, right? <laughs> it's not like there weren't Jeeps driving around with racks on them all over, right. already. But all of a sudden, something happened in my eye and my brain where I made that connection. And now all of a sudden, I'm noticing them everywhere. You've done it with yeah. shoes or clothes or cars yeah. or, you know, Georgia Bulldogs fans, whatever it is. Like, so you start noticing those things. And so our grown men who wear jerseys, uh, and so whatever those things are. Hey, you, <laughs> how you doing? So, so the thing is, it's, it's not like they already exist. They weren't. They didn't already exist. You just start noticing them. Right. What he argues, and I think is a brilliant point, is he believes that's what prayer does. Hmm. The minute you start praying, it's not like God all of a sudden goes, oh, I'm going to get to work now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like he's already at work, but there's something about us aligning our brain with it. Yeah. So God, I'd like to see your spirit at work in me and through me. Yeah. So I think that's just that a place was, to pause and think. So that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Is I, as I was sitting here, I was like, I didn't know if I should put it in the form of a question. Yeah. But I feel like so many times, uh, if I'm busy caught up doing my own thing, that I don't see the Spirit's work in my life. But then if I pause and I reflect, again, it's not about me like, okay, it's internal and I got to think about it. Now I see Jesus. But when I just settle a little bit, I'm like, wow, wait a minute. This actually happened. This wasn't something that I made up or did. It's just the way that God moved in in the midst of that. So I guess, like I said, I wasn't sure if that's a thought, but I feel like it's in line with what you're talking about now of just, I feel like God is always at work. The question is, is whether or not we join him in that and we see him in that. Would you say that that's accurate? First, I would say, ready, this is going to be profound. We see yesterday in 2020. Yeah, right. But we also see tomorrow in 2020. Okay. Because it's the year 2020. So. Oh. Does that make sense? I was, I was like, I'm like trying to track and like we see to, to, tomorrow <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. I so I. um. That wasn't a very great joke. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Well, I, was, I went with 2000. It could have been good. It was the delivery and the content was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe so, we can try that next episode and see if it I, lands better. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's only one word you can spell correct. That's spelled incorrectly. I'm scared to answer at this point. Like incorrectly. Uh, okay. It's spelled correct and yet yeah, spelled incorrectly. Yeah. We just lost it. I'm so sorry. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. so I think there is this piece here of hindsight. So that's our show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we're not cutting it. We're not cutting it. Yeah, we still got more. We got. Uh, yeah, we're only so halfway I done. think that's the thing. Is that yeah? This yeah. This idea that I wanted to see about the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So week one, and I might bring it if I can. It just felt like too much of a. A trinket, like okay. um, where I had um, all the boards, and there's like these little like flowing ribbons that were yeah, on the side. Right. And I was going to show like the slow movement that happens when and so I had a fan. It was going to yeah. start blowing it because I do believe if you look from the beginning to the end, while there's a different act of the will happening in these different parts, what I do believe is the spirit is just always at work, yeah. right? Just see if the old says it's kind of blowing, and when you look close enough. If you look close enough, and we might do that this week, you'll see just slight movements of it. Right, like it's right. always there. And that's why I love, you know, there's this old um, clip of Billy Graham preaching the gospel and explaining to people who the Spirit is and Jesus. And he, and he says, just like you can't see the effects of the wind, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. Right. So you can see this. Like it is so true. Like yeah. you cannot see wind. Right. You cannot see wind. Like no matter how hard you look, you will not see wind. The only thing you will see is the effects. Right. Of the wind. And so I think that's probably the reality of the Holy Spirit in a lot of yeah. time is that it's hard to see the Spirit at work, like see it and experience it until you 
see and feel right. the effects of right. it, right? right? So you can't see the wind, but you can feel it blowing on your face. Yeah. You can't see the wind, but you can see it blowing the leaves. So I do think that requires kind of a an intentional activation of other senses. Yeah. It's like that like this awareness that has to come with that, right? Like you have to take off the ski mask. You have to open your eyes a mm. little bit larger. So I do think it's that. I think the spirit is doing things yeah. and has for two thousand years and is inviting millions, if not billions of people into it. Yeah. But we haven't paused long enough and activated ourselves long enough to go, could that be true? And could he be at work and could he actually want to use me yeah. in that work? Yeah. So it's good. Um Henry Blackaby Brilliant guy wrote Experiencing God. Yeah. And the one argument he's made, and I, I think it's so brilliant. I mean, I haven't done the study since I was 14 years old. Yeah, so, it's you been know, years long time for me ago. as well. But. He says, if you want to experience God, see where God's at work and get involved. And join in him. other words, yeah. so look yeah. for the effects of the Spirit and yeah. then jump in. Now, make sure it's the Spirit right. and not something manufactured, but look for it. Look for right. real fruit and jump in. Look for the orchard and then jump in and start helping. You know, so I think right. there is something that the spirit is at work. So let's just find him at work and lean in fully. Right, right. That's good. So. Um, so one of the things that you said that this was like, if we didn't remember anything else, um, you said that God brought his presence and showed that he, and through that showed that he wanted to dwell with his people. So do you want to expand on that? A yeah. Bit so, more? um, yeah. So here's this. First of all, let me, let me go back to that last thing. And okay. Just, I want to fight against some cynicism. So I was just thinking through that of going find God at work and get in on it. And I want to say some people are going, no, God doesn't do that. That's not the case. I'm like, do you understand the first time the Holy spirit showed up, there were a bunch of people experiencing and filling him. And there was a subsect of people kind yeah. of gathered around the round, around the room, whispering and making fun of them. Right. Right. So there is just like, I just was like, let's guard our hearts from that. Like, Guard your heart right. to that. And you go, well, what if you're wrong? Blessed are the pure in heart for they'll see God. Like, let's not walk into things with cynicism. Let's walk into things going, what if the Lord could be at work in this? So yeah. I think it's important. But yes, the other thing I really want people to hear is, yes, so God's spirit wants to dwell in us. You go, what does that mean? Yeah. And that's why I love the beauty of the first real moment we see it in the New Testament. Okay. So John the nice Baptist. Catch. Thanks. John the Baptist. Uh, this I get very excited about. Uh, John the Baptist is baptizing. Yeah. Uh, you can go back and listen to the sermon if you want to know why the reason he's baptizing. Mulligans, fresh starts, grace, you know, all those kind of things. But Jesus shows up and says, I want to be baptized. Now, what we know later is uh, John baptizes water. Jesus baptizes the Spirit. So we did, they would not have known that in the moment. But we now understand that can translate. Right. Something's happening here where he's about to get the Spirit, right? So he goes into the water. And he's not getting saved from a sin, so he right. doesn't need that. So why in the world is he doing that? Well, there's a very beautiful moment when he comes up, kind of like initiation of creation 2.0, the same thing that happens in us, like this restoration plan, right? So he comes up, heavens open up, yeah. and we see this spirit that ascends on him. And for some reason, God decides to interpret to all the people around yeah. what he's saying. So everybody gets to hear what that spirit yeah. is actually doing. This is my son. So he's establishing his identity. He's establishing his covering. He's establishing his family unit there. He's reestablishing that. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Yeah. So to me, if there's nothing else you get about the purpose of the Spirit, it's not for you to raise dead people to life, make lame people walk, blind people see. Great, if that ever happens. Woohoo. Like, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to see it. But that is not the primary mission of the Spirit. The yeah. primary mission of the Spirit is to, to deliver that message and deliver that coverage and that anointing that says, this is my child, and I am pleased with him. Yeah. And so that was that's the piece of the Spirit that you yeah. got to see. When it when it comes and lands in that place, the first thing isn't, that, oh, it helps an interpret. It does help an interpret. Right, right. But the first thing it helps people interpret is that lie that we've had forever. It's like, God doesn't love you. He's disappointed in you. If people really knew you, they'd walk away from you. Mm. And Jesus 
is saying, nope. God's saying, the Spirit's saying, nope. I love you. I'm your dad. I'm going nowhere. Yeah. And get this. I'm pleased with you. Yeah. You're like, no, no. Well, well, he doesn't know me. No, he does. Yeah. And he's pleased with us. He is so happy he made you. Like, and we don't want to talk about that because we got sin and brokenness. No, he is so happy he made yeah. us. Like, that is a beautiful picture of this. He is so happy he made us. And, and that's why I explained that about Briggs and about just having a child and going, there's nothing this kid does that makes my life any easier. Mm. He hasn't performed for me. And yet I am so pleased to mm. be his dad. And we are flawed. I am a flawed dad. And I know that about my children. I am pleased with it. And so this understanding is just kind of, you know, very formational to how we see the Spirit. The Spirit, first and foremost, wants you to know that He is pleased with you. Hmm. Pleased with you. You quit making excuses. Quit saying He's not. He is pleased with you and wants you to live into the reality of being His child. But He's pleased with you. Yeah. So you got to hear it and got to respond according to that. Right. Not to, I'll get myself fixed and I'll come back. No, don't worry about that. Let the Spirit come and dwell and yeah. tell you that. Like even this moment, like if nothing else, you can pause. You can just say, God, is that true? Like, is that true? Yeah. Do you really, are you really pleased with me? Yeah. I've never known you as that father. And I'm going, then you've not known the God of the universe or his son or his spirit because that's exactly who he is. Yeah. So if there's nothing else, the rest of it, great. Why well, we get to talk about, but it's that. It's about the pleasure that God has in his right. people. Right. So. It's so hard to, I feel like, wrap your mind around because even in a good relationship, like with a father or mother or wh- how, wherever you want to fill in that gap, like at times it feels like it's based off of, my performance right like if i do well or if i succeed in this then my parents could be pleased or they might be more pleased with me or if i don't do something they might be displeased with me and so i feel like even that is such a difficult thing to fully wrap your mind around that god is pleased with you like even with all of your sin even with all of your shortcomings even with all of that it's almost like unbelievable Oh, it is. It's not, and it's not. He will be pleased with. Yeah, you. right. Like that's the other thing. Oh no, he will be. No, he is pleased with yeah. you. Like he is. And I know there's all sorts of fear of going. He's going to say that, and the people are going to do bad things. Yeah, you are, and he's still going to be pleased with <laughs> right. you. Like right. you are, and this isn't a license for those things. It's actually kind of a indictment on our desire to do those things because, and I, what I've found, that the people that are the most productive. Are typically the hardest to get this. Like it, hmm. like people who are you know really good at performing and producing. Yeah. It's really hard to gather this, and they beat themselves up right. really hard. And it's going no no. Right. Like this is the beauty of these scriptures. All hundred and twenty in the room got this. Right. Not because of anything they did. Not because of anything they nothing. Right. The Holy Spirit landed on them and let them know that the God of the universe loved them, created them on purpose with a plan, and that plan was to enjoy Him. Forever, yeah. That's his plan, yeah. And that's what became available to them. And we just keep mess. I keep messing it up, yeah. you know. And so it's like, but at foundationally, that is unbelievable and ridiculous and almost irresponsible mm. of God to give <laughs> that kind of love right. to people who are going to break His heart, right? Right. That's right. it. And guess what? We all have. Right. We all are. And it sounds so irresponsible, but let's just trust the infinite God of infinite love yeah. to be able to continue to pour that out, even though his heart's been broken. Yeah. Yeah. So. So kind of the, the segue from there is to you talked about um, how God speaks to us by speaking to us. He interprets Jesus' Jesus's will for our lives. He's in the interpretation. That that's what the Spirit's job is. But then you also spend some time talking about um, like the Tower of Babel. So kind of breaking that down, you talked about it relationally. Uh, I didn't know if that was something more that you wanted to touch on within that. Just, I guess, the importance of communication mm, yeah. and then the importance of the Holy Spirit's role in communicating to us as believers. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot I would like to say. Um, 
lots I don't feel like I have permission to say, uh, even as we work through it in our church. And if, you, if you've been tracking with us, uh, particularly last week or so or months, uh, there's some disconnect, I think. Yeah. And I, I can I can pinpoint uh, misunderstanding and miscommunication. I shared a little bit on um, Saturday and Sunday about just the devastation of losing one of our staff. You can go back and listen to the sermon. I, I don't want to revisit it here. That's not the, the purpose of, of this time. But what has become really evident to me in almost every category of my life, yeah, yeah, no, every category of my life, uh, whether that's in counseling, like working with people, my own personal counseling, or in um, my own relationships, right? The the biggest danger to them maybe uh, is always about communication first. Mm. Now, there's other things that happen. I don't feel loved. I don't feel appreciated. I didn't feel cared for. I didn't feel heard. Those things eventually lead to worse things, right. lead to worse things. But it almost seems like at the core of our brokenness relationally, it, it has to do with this inability to understand and be understood. Mm. And so I just wanted to point out that there's a place where that starts, right? Yeah. I mean, it, there's all sorts of brokenness, but there's this moment that you see like this, at, like kind of highlighted, and it's the Tower of Babel where these guys are all, and gals and you know, families are all trying to build their own legacy, thinking this is going to be the thing. They're going to perform well enough that uh, the gods or, you know, a god or the people are going to be so impressed with them, which is what we're doing every day. Yeah. That's like why we figure out our clothes and our shoes, our, you know, our houses, our cars. I mean, just wrestling with how do we put our best foot forward, look good. And so these guys have a plan and God looks down, has a conversation with himself, triune God, and says, we need to stop them. Because these guys, if they put their mind to anything, they can accomplish it. Mm. Which is so interesting because that means evil can be accomplished mm. in unity. Yeah. It just can. It just means that unified people can get together and accomplish mm. horrific things. Nazi Germany. Mm. Uh, you know, all sorts of slander. I mean, all sorts of broken lies. They're accomplished a lot of times in unity. Yeah. You get enough people unified around whatever it is. You kind of create some of these things. And so you just see that. And so God's plan to thwart that, you know, that broken thing where they were going to spend all their time and energy and all their hope finally get into a place that was going to leave them uh, unfulfilled and in pain and sorrow and hating their life. So God in his graciousness, like he does throughout the scriptures, uh, removes that opportunity from them. But what's so unique is the way by which he does it is very simple. He takes away their ability to communicate. That's it. Like, and you see it. Like, the God of the universe is great. Like, he decides to thwart these folks and their weapon to you misuse all the gifts and all the stuff he's given them for, you know, for pain and sorrow. Yeah. The way by which he thwarts it is he takes away their ability to communicate with one yeah. another. And so it is so profound to me that if you want to look at why things are broken, look at how they first got broken in that. People lost the ability to communicate. Mm. In other words, they lost the ability to be understood. And they lost the ability to understand. And I am so convinced that so much of what we have going on here is both of those. Our inability to understand and our pain in being understood. Even when it talks about in the scriptures, Matthew 18, where it talks about going to your brother or sister, they've sinned against you. One thing it says, and if they listen, mm. you've won, uh, you'll win them over. There's something really neat about this ability to help someone listen and have yeah. this conversation. And so just when I kind of sum up complications uh, with staff working in, you know, with – an organization filled with hundreds, if not thousands of people. What I would say is, yes, where this thing gets awry is lack of communication, mm. right? Like you talk briefly in all the service about that telephone game, the one where you whisper right. one thing, and by the time you get to the end, it is just like, what? You know, right, and so, right. and I joked, I don't know if I joked on the Saturday night service about if you're around teens, then it gets more and more profane at the yeah. end. It's like, what? You know, yeah. so. So, anyway, and all that kind of being said, what you kind of realize is, man, there is something broken here. And you go, well, how do you fix that? 
I'm going, that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. And God's going, he's going to fix it. And the way by which everybody's going to understand exactly the truth is not through their own ability, not through their own therapy sessions, but through the spirit of the living God. And so some places it frustrates me greatly and other places I find great solace is going, it is so important to see that what God is doing is restoring what was in Babel because everybody's like not interested in the kingdom. And then God establishes covenant promise going, people can't do it on their own. Yeah. All Left to their own devices and their own decisions, it will lead to their own demise, right? Mm-hmm. So he removes that ability from when Genesis and then, you know, next chapter, he establishes his covenant with Abram. And by the way, we believe Abram's dad was probably in that mix. So this is so complicated to think about. And so he establishes his covenant and goes, no matter what you do, I'm still going to do it. And one day I'll restore all this. That's his promise right after that. And now skip ahead thousands of years. Here we are at Pentecost and we see this initiation of the creation 2.0 being reestablished because of God's covenant. And how does he do it? He puts them all on the same page with his words and then gives us his words so it's just so beautiful that he actually does do that he gives us his spirit and if we'll listen and we'll listen to each other with that spirit and ask the spirit what it is that i'm receiving and why it is i'm feeling and why it is i'm saying there is some beauty to be had in all this understanding that i don't think we've tapped into yeah yeah that's good Uh, i feel like the the last at least thing on my notes to to kind of talk about was the uh, verse 37, it's kind of the response. So it, the Holy Spirit fills fills them. There's these tongues of fire that sit on top of each person's head, which I wonder what that was like. Like in the moment, were they so f- moved by the Spirit that they didn't even notice it, that they didn't even care? Or was like Johnny in the corner, like, what is happening? Like, I don't know. Somebody grabbing hairspray going, Somebody going, is this supposed to be happening? Should I should I call somebody? I don't know, the fire brigade of... Middle yeah. Eastern times? I you know, know, what I wonder there is, I mean, we do know how I kind of uh, Luke's the writer and his kind of approach. Yeah. So he would have gone and sat down with these people. He's going, hey, tell me yeah, who was right. all there. So he'd have asked lots of different experiences, and he would have kind of highlighted all their experience. Yeah. So I think they're like, man, it was crazy. Like, I don't know, I don't know what they do afterwards. I think it probably takes them a little, a little time to process it and all those kind of things. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so verse 37. Oh, I just dropped yeah, the Bible. Sure. Oops. Um, so, yeah, verse 37, it's after this this event happens, Peter gets up and he speaks to the 3,000. I think it was 3,000. Well, at this point, they're it. about to be, no, there's only 120 in that room. What's about to happen is eventually this movement in the next little while is going to then disperse the 3,000. Okay, so he gets up to speak and they hear it in their own language. And then what happens is that they say, what should we do? And or what does this mean? And so I just thought that that was a good that was kind of how you ended the message by going, hey, that's the very question that we should ask ourselves, that as the Holy Spirit's moving and working within our lives, we should ask that very question of going, what should we do or how should what does this mean? How should we respond? So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if you could make that maybe uh, a few yeah. more practical applications of that question. Yeah. So I don't think uh, Martha was wrong for wanting to serve Jesus. Mm. I just think she did it out of order. Okay. Right. And so you go back to the Mary Martha story. If you don't, if not familiar with it, Martha's uh, preparing to host Jesus and people, right? So she's doing all the things I think she should do, you know, like prepare the room, you know, all all the things I'd be doing. And she looks over at her sister who's just sitting at Jesus' feet, and she goes, she tells Jesus to rebuke her sister, telling her, hey, she's lazy, get her to do something. And he literally says, she's doing the the thing that's appropriate. Actually, the only thing, he kind of adds a qualifier there. And so I think there is this, there is this, ah, I hate to call it a process or a formula, because I don't, 
want you to think that if you just do these things, it works every way. But it does seem to me that it's first about knowing, then it's about experiencing, and then it's about doing, right? And sometimes that knowing and experiencing probably happen together. Maybe it's, you know, the inverse, but there is this... There is this culmination of knowing and experiencing that creates this necessity to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Know that I've experienced this. Know that I know who it's from. Know that I know that I, that he's pleased with me. Know that I can experience his pleasure in me. What do I do with this? Right. right? There is something there. You go. What do I do? Like so, knowing and experience, and then doing. Right? right. Jesus says it in Matthew seven. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, right, is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So there is an important part here that there is actually action as mm-hmm. a result. And so I think that is, and I'll get to the second part of even the, the doing piece gets confusing because you go, okay, now we know, I'm pretty certain they're about to go out and they're about to just tell them about this crazy thing. Yeah. You know, they have a spirit with them. What they're sharing is just having this transformational moment and a thousand people are baptized. So yeah. that goes from that 120 to all of these people, right? So you got all those different things. And so there is some belief, by the way, if you look at um, when Jesus pairs them up and sets a two and sends them out and then 72 sets a two, sends them out. There's some belief that maybe this is the crew that's in this 120. We don't know for sure, okay. all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but what we do know, 120 or so in the room, then all of a sudden this happens, and then it goes out in 3,000 of them, like 3,000. Yeah. So they got this movement. So it's easy to go, they went and did something. But actually what's really, really important here is their next step, and I would say this is always our next step first, always our next step. It's not like we do it once in the past. He says repent. Yeah. Repent. And what I want to make sure we understand is repentance isn't this one thing you did to get into heaven and get the right. spirit. Right. Like there is this dying to our flesh daily, right? right. There is this right. acknowledging. Jesus says whoever wants to um, uh, follow me needs to take up his cross and follow me daily, right? So right. like there's this idea that this is a this is a continual process. So like, you know, how uncomfortable it would be. It just seems like all of our sermons all of the teaching, I'll tell you this for me, when I think through this, it begins with repentance, this yeah. idea of going, that change in the way you think, and as you change the way you think, your thoughts determine your beliefs, your beliefs determine your behaviors, right? right? right. And so that first step is going, we have lived our right life all wrong. Hmm. We have thought it was about us. We thought we could do it. We thought we could perform. You're telling me it's just about this good news that God is pleased with me? Yeah. I, I got to go tell my mom. Right. I got to go tell right. my, my niece. I got to go tell my girlfriend, right? So whatever happens in there goes out because it's like when you experience God's pleasure, it would make and acknowledge that that would be the next logical yeah. step. So I think yeah. when you say repent and be baptized, and I would just say this is kind of um, if I had more time, I'd have spent a little more time here. Baptism does not save you, right. but it's a really beautiful moment of going. I actually am all in on this. Right. Old me gone. Creation 1.0 gone. Creation 2.0 ready to go. Like I yeah. love – that's why I personally love the immersion process. Now, sprinkling, whatever, you could do that as well. But it's just kind of this declaration that it is time to get going on this. Right. I am pushing the you know, the, the, the activation button, right, the right. detonator because it is time. And so I love the beauty of baptism in that sense. And so if some of you are on here and you're still wrestling through this, I think you should have some conversations about should mm-hmm. I get baptized? I've been baptized before. I was baptized as a kid. Please, please. Um, leave a comment, send us a message over time at CLC Family, yeah. or email Gary uh, directly at gary at clcfamily.church. We'd love to have these conversations because I do think it's a beautiful moment of going, nope, this is it. I yeah. get it. He's pleased with me, and I am moving forward with yeah. this truth. Right. So. Right. That's good. Well, we've got a few more minutes. Is there anything else that you didn't get the opportunity to get to or anything else that you wanted to share? Yep. I do have one thing. Um, so 
I'm paying my son right now to read a book. It's kind of where we are. <laughs> and uh, there's this book by John Dickerson. So really neat. I so love. How much are you paying? Like uh, twenty bucks actually. I'll get, I'll get but he has to do like this. a really lengthy book report. Okay. Um, but anyway, John Dickerson was an investigative turn journalist okay. turned pastor. Okay. Okay. So um, so he writes like an investigative journalist, and he wrote a book called The Jesus Skeptic. I've shared it to the staff. Okay, yeah. It's this idea that we should really have some real confidence in um, in this worldview. Like both historically, scientifically, and in the fruit of the people that you can, I mean, you can, you can, uh, you know, chase down through history from yeah. abolition movement of slavery and you know the scientific revolution and the modern university, all kind of point back to these great Christian leaders, right? Yeah. So Isaac Newton, he even grabbed his journal and kind of shared why Isaac Newton was so passionate about this, mm. and it was about Jesus, right? So mm. uh, he's reading it and giving me some kind of reports on it. Part of it is just I'm afraid that as a Sixth grader, it'd be real easy for him not to be real proud of mm. Christianity based on the vitriol that's out there. And it's going, no, yeah. like this is a beautiful movement of really good things that is pro-women and, you know, pro-life in terms of loving people in all ways and, right. you know, pro-care and freedom and all these different things. And just hate that um, that he hasn't gotten that. So he's been reading it. And he uh, read me a quote that I was going to share in the sermon, just ran all the time. But it was actually an... Uh, um, it was in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, when uh, Peter saying, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. And he says this, as you yourselves know. So you had this moment where these guys knew that, right? Yeah. And so they were capturing this. And so uh, Briggs was reading to me a quote, and I went and kind of investigated some more. It was that love. I love the works of Josephus. It gives us kind of an understanding. Uh, but Josephus was not a Christian. Yeah, he was right. a Jew who right. wrote about Jesus, but wrote about him as a non-Christian, as a non-believer in Jesus. But that's what I wanted to read and say, this is kind of what they would have felt in that moment. This is what Josephus said, and it says this. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. So here's a non-Christian Jew saying, there is this man who is wise, if you even can call him a man, right? Um, for he was the one who performed surprising deeds, and it was a teacher of such people as, as uh, uh, accept the truth gladly. Uh, and was a teacher of such people as accepted the, uh, the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. Now hear me. This is written in 93 AD by a non-Christian. So this is after his death, when the middle of this resurrected movement, these people walk in the Spirit. This right. is what he would have been identifying and writing about. And so some of these people... At Pentecost are the people that he would have saw in these works, right? right. And, and when, upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. So it gets brutal. I mean, <laughs> there is deep devastation happening. They're going, this, yeah. no, we saw it. We know this. He appeared to them spending a third day restored to life. Um, uh, for the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians so-called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. Hmm. So here we are at kind of this foundational moment where the world is starting to look and go, this isn't making sense to us. Yeah. Nero is lighting him on fire, yeah. and they are calling out in glory that Jesus is Lord. And I'd go, that's the evidence of the Spirit right. in this. Right. So we just, we're not tapping into this new, unique thing. We're talking about this ancient story hmm. of an ancient God who always was who invites us into that and the way that he invites us into that is through a spirit so I just want to make sure we understand yeah. this this 
this opportunity that we get to tap into that will change everything about our lives and all those around us. And so I don't want to make light of it in right. terms of going, ah, oh, I just interpret, tells you he's pleased. No, right. this is right. God. Yeah. This is a personal God who has all the power in the world that he is making available to us. Yeah. So I'd love to see our church, our community, our world, other churches around tap into this yeah. God who is pleased with them and wants to empower them to yeah. take this mission to all places. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that is about all the time. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, perfect on timing. So Thanks, uh, I'm really good at taking an hour for things. <laughs> uh, we just want to say thank you again for joining us. Hopefully you get a lot out of this. Our goal is that you could continue to grow in your faith and your discipleship as, as God's challenging us on a weekly basis. Hopefully he's challenging you as well. Um, would love to see you here on a weekend service. We have Saturday evening services starting at 5 and then Sunday at 9 and then at 1045. We'd love to see you there. Love for you to continue to be part of Overtime. Don't forget to submit your questions if you have them. You can either write them on the back of the bulletin, drop them in the offering basket on the way out here on a weekend service, or email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. So thanks for coming, and we hope to see you next week. See you later.